Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw on AI Pro, podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Downey and joining me to give their immediate reactions to Liverpool 1, Tottenham Hotspur 1 in the Premier League from Anfield are Dave Hendrick and Harry Sethi. Dave, I've had a little chat with Harry, but haven't said a word with you yet. We were talking about our level of deflation and where we'd market. Harry, a little bit lower than me, I still sort of have this feeling that we needed City to cock up royally and lose a match um, or something spectacular like that if we were going to win anyway. So I'm kind of a little bit um, in the middle with it. Uh, where Where is it landing with you immediately after the, the whistle's blown? Look, we knew the title was the long shot of the, the quadruple that we're chasing because we've just drawn too many games this season. It, it's that simple, you know, it, the title wasn't lost tonight. If we do fall short in the title, it was lost pre-Christmas when we just drew too many games and, and we had some some disappointing losses. Um, there's still a possibility, of course there is, because City have four games left. They've got what's now a trickier test against West Ham, who can still get sixth and get Europa League football, but will need to win probably all three of their games. So West Ham will now be motivated for that game as opposed to just putting out a team of reserves if they'd had the Europa League final three days later. So that one yeah. just became more, more difficult for City midweek. I still think Wolves can cause them trouble because Wolves have caused bigger teams trouble this year. They got a 2-2 draw at Stamford Bridge today. We saw how difficult it was for us when we went there. City beat them at the Etihad with the most blatantly ridiculous penalty of the season so look there's still games there where City can drop points we knew this was going to be a potential banana skin for us coming off the the high in midweek but with a lot of tired legs and while there was a lot of poor performances today it's it's very hard to fault you know the lads that started in midweek and played you know large chunks of that game and then had a poor one today it's very hard to fault them coming off you know that comeback against Villarreal into this. You were bound to get a couple of a couple of iffy performances. It just is what it is. Credit to Spurs, they did defend well, but I'm sorry, we we, we wasted so many good opportunities in the first half where they tried to play it from the back and we took it off them. 
within 25 yards of their goal and then just gave yeah. it back to them. Mm. So we're the masters of our own demise tonight. But it's a point. We take a point. It's not what we wanted. But like I said, if we do fall short in the title, it wasn't because of what happened tonight. It's what happened earlier in the season. You know, Harry, that, like I say, um, I'm just reluctant to give up the sliver of hope because that's all it was anyway. As Dave says, this is this was the longest of shots. Um, and and as I said earlier on, we 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 need City to lose a game regardless. So I mean, I, I'm still kind of hopeful that one of those things, uh, one of those games may present uh, a, a challenge to them, and hopeful that we can get wins in our last three. That might be enough. Look, who knows? But. The the hope is still there to an extent. I agree with Dave when he says that we're kind of we're the architects of our own downfall here today because it just wasn't incisive enough. We relied on, um, you know, a great bit of incisive play, but at the end of the day, a deflected shot uh, to get our goal. There just wasn't enough. I thought um, dead-eyed calmness from us in attacking situations and I think that really did that was kind of really the story of the game yeah and no, I I was I was pretty happy with the level of intensity throughout the entire game to be honest in terms of, I, I hear what Dave's saying around sort of the maybe the on the on the ball performance of a couple of those players who played who played in midweek and were sort of instrumental in, in, into us uh, sort of getting back in that game um, and, and sort of if you were judging it um, yeah. harshly tonight, you, you would say they were off it, and there were there were a few of them there. And I, th- and I think the abundance, the sheer abundance of crosses that ended up um, uh, we ended up resorting to, sort of illustrates that a little bit. But um, I, I I think I'd more agree actually with Dave's point around yeah, in the first half it felt like with, with that pressure that we were putting on Spurs, there were a number of chances we had where, where we did turn the ball over, they panicked or they or they made an error. Uh, and we just didn't take, you know, we 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 just didn't convert one of those into a, a really goal-scoring chance. Even um, it felt like we sort of, you know, gave the ball back to them, and made it a bit easy for them to defend or to clear the situation. So, given we 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 know what uh, Klopp and the coaching team work on, and and sort of the how that is the bread and butter of how we create at at times or was anyway. Um, uh, at the start of Klopp's uh, sort of tenure at Liverpool, I'm, I'm sure they'll be very disappointed that they didn't make more from those opportunities. But you know how it is um, with these games against North London teams, Trev. Uh, it, it always feels a little bit harder for for me because the WhatsApp just lights up, unfortunately. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I always I always wince when I think of you in these situations with uh, with your assorted inverted commas mates uh, coming at you from very the Spurs the Spurs the Spurs rabble are a little bit um, sort of more respectful, to be honest. I think it's it's. Uh, they sort of understand that, you know, I mean, a, a, a couple of the people who, who who piped up were actually sort of shocked that they were taking the draw quite early on, although, although they could have sort of nicked it at the end. But, um, mm. yeah, it's, it's, it's usually it's usually the red contingent of North London that are um, trapped in quite a sort of a strange, a strange universe. <laughs> at yeah, times. they do. But, they uh, do. They do reside in an odd world. Bless them. And, and just to put a little bit of statistical meat on the bones of what we've mm. been saying here, all three of us. Um, we had 22 efforts, but again, to sort of underline with, with, with one of those old sort of highlighters used to have. How many of those were blocked, Trevor? 
Yeah, but, but three three attempts on target, Harry, yeah. the, at the end of the day. So, I mean, that's that's the story of the match right there. Just not clinical enough, and uh, sometimes you you will you will pay a price there. And I, I think we have to hold our hands up and say that they've played a very very effective um, strategy and could easily have nicked the game. Um, mm. You know, we're standing off Harry Kane there at the end, and I'm thinking, really, really. <laughs> Uh, so look, we, 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 we owe it to our listeners to get on with the usual format, um, and not get too bogged down in the emotions too early on because nothing is decided yet. Let's absolutely underline that. And uh, Jurgen went with, uh, Kanate alongside Van Dijk and he went with Henderson in midfield along with then I think everyone else in that lineup is probably what it, it would be in Jurgen's first team. And, there's an argument that this was his first choice 11 or would be his first choice 11 going into a big game. Maybe Joel, who knows? It depends. He makes a call on the day. It's not always immediately apparent to me why he goes for Kanate over Joel Matip. I have to say, um, but <clears throat> that was his call today. I don't know if there's a huge amount of mileage to be gotten out of that, but I want to give both of you an opportunity to comment on the red selection. But we'll get you to do that quickly ahead of what we say about Spurs uh, and Dave I'll start with you just on them and I'll come back to Harry uh, I know both of you have done shows um, looking ahead to this game um, like I say feel free if you want to mention anything about the the, the Klopp selection but they went with uh, R- R- Romero and Dyer and Davies they had uh, uh, Emerson, um, uh, Betancourt, uh, Hoiberg, Sessegnon Kulisevsky, Kane and Son and they went with the three across the back and the the wing backs and um, they were very solid and rigid and probably exactly how you'd expect them to line out under this manager um, with the the greatest syrup in uh, football um, to be fair to him it is is a tremendous thing, it's like a thing that has a life of its own, when you you flash back to pictures of of, of, of him him at, at the end was playing fucking in the middle of his playing days and yeah. there's like there's little bobby bobby charlton strands uh, just just whispering re- around his head just <laughs> refusing to give up the ghost as they plaster across his bald pate and now you look at him he's like fucking homer when he gets the uh the minoxidil it's remarkable so well conditioned as well Travis. so well conditioned yeah, that's a man that got a second a second chance in life with hair and wasn't giving it up too easily <laughs> um no that's a that's a high-end uh hair transplant that's not like the the thing Rooney got the first time where it all fell out in him. I, I, have um, a theory, I have a theory about this. I have a theory. I think Rooney's the richest man in, in the world, but refuses to pay for quality hair transplants. Because otherwise, how do you explain the shit that he had on top of his head for years by comparison with the flowing locks of our Italian pal there? Just to wrap it back into what I was talking about, I'm looking at the bench there for uh, for Tottenham today. They've got Sanchez, who came on, Winks, who came on, uh, Roden. They've got Galini, Bergwijn, who came on as well. Lucas Moura, who most people would be familiar with as a kind of a threat, potentially. White, Scarlet, Matthew Craig. Um, I don't see that he'd have gone with anything other than what he went with today. But then uh, what do I know? What was your take on it? And is this the, the lineup you had seen? And more to the point, it seems to be the shape he's just going with, right? Yeah, well, he, he likes the the three four three because when they lose possession, it becomes a five four one. The full the wing backs become full backs, the wingers become wing backs, and then the two in midfield just drop a little bit deeper in front of Eric Dyer. 
and it works for them. Um, it's one of the reasons that he prefers to play 3-4-3 over a 3-5-2, which was primarily his system at Juventus, it's because when they lose the ball, he feels like he can get more of a shape out of them defensively. Um, it was exactly the team that was expected because Matt Doherty's injured, Sergio Regulon is injured. Those two probably would have been the starting wing-backs tonight. With those two out, this is what he has. They're also missing Tanganga and Oli Skip, so that's why you're seeing uh, Harvey White, Dane Scarlett and Matthew George Craig, three kids, on the bench. Not great options for him there, but absolutely the best team he had available. As far as we go, my assumption is the reason Kanate played is because he's an awful lot quicker than Joel Matip, and the thought was them on the counter-attack with young Min Son, you want more pace to cover for Trent because he's not getting any protection, protection from the right side of that midfield. So I think that's why Kanate has started. Um, I, I did originally think Matip would start, but then the more I thought about their shape and how they play, Kanate makes sense. The midfield is, is what I expected tonight. Uh, doesn't necessarily mean it's the right midfield, but it's the midfield he went with. And the front three was the front three I expected. And unfortunately, only one of them really showed up tonight. Yeah, I think that's a, a point that needs to be made early and often is that, you know, we were looking to our two most well-established, most prolific stars tonight to do something big on a big stage. <clears throat> the pressure on them is relentless and endless and constant uh, and it's unfair. And, yet, and nobody plays more football, Trev. Nobody plays and nobody more plays football, football. Salah and Mane. Them boys no. had to go off in the middle of a season, play an international tournament, play every single minute of every single game, right through to a final that went to extra time and penalties. Then they went and they played that World Cup qualifier, which again went to extra time and penalties. Anybody, anybody going out of their way to slander either of these two boys to suggest that either of them shouldn't get the contracts that are potentially out there for them, that they don't deserve them, that they need to be dropped. Have a, have a word with yourself. Seriously, have a word with yourself. Because yeah. those two lads, since they joined this club, they never moan. They turn up week after week. They play every single game. They're absolutely relentless. And even today, like when things weren't weren't going for them, they were still trying. Like they were oh, still they putting in the work. They, they never hide either of them. Never, they never hide. There's other is... lads that that do hide. Not necessarily in our team, but you know, around the league, there's lads that you know when they're not playing well, they start hiding. Salah and Manning aren't that. They're always showing for the ball. They're always harrying defenders. They're dropping back. At one point, Salah sprinted 60 yards to break up one of their counterattacks and get in front of Youngman's son when Son got one-on-one with Kanate. So I don't want to hear from anybody on social media slander that Salah needs to be dropped or that his performances in 2022 haven't been great. Sure, he's not scoring the same number of goals, but nobody could sustain what he was doing pre-Christmas, and he has just been run into the ground. He has been absolutely run into the ground. So, look, Diaz was, was I thought, excellent tonight. But, and the two boys, it just didn't work out for them. It wasn't that they were hiding. It wasn't that anything, there was any lack of effort. It's just, they just look shattered. The two of them just look shattered. And as I said earlier, I'm not going to sit here and, and criticize either of them because of what they did in midweek in that comeback. Both of them warrant a pass for today. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, Harry, perfect place to bring you in, man. Again, your take on Spurs, the lineup the approach, anything in general about them. And if you want to make a comment on the Reds lineup, feel free. 
Yeah, nothing surprising at all from Spurs. Uh, absolutely, um, sort of based on the, the players they have available, how how Conte likes to, to to set the side up, sort of sort of figuring what, whether or not he would be tempted to tinker that at all at Anfield. You sort of sort of understood how his approach would be given sort of the importance of the game as well. So no real surprises there um, on the Liverpool lineup. Yeah, I think that's um that's probably spot on on Canate that. I thought he was included because he had a, you know, that bit burst of extra pace uh, to deal with some of those transitions and you know how dangerous Sun can be on the counter for them um, and Kuzleski as well. Uh, so I thought that was just sort of the only reason why he came in, to be honest. Um, uh, but you know, obviously the level of both of them, um, Matip and and Kanate, is so high uh, that um, you don't really see too much of a drop off uh, in midfield as well. Yeah, given the rotation that we've seen, that that was what I expected uh, as well. Um, and perhaps sort of Naby could have been, been introduced a little bit uh, sooner, given the fact that it did feel like we needed some sort of midfielder who was going to just try and try and dribble at the sort of at the Spurs defense directly, sort of try and cause a little bit of chaos that way as well. But um, no, yeah, there were no no real surprises for me in terms of sort of the team uh, that that Liverpool went with. And I, yeah, just can only echo what Dave's saying there around. I mean, I, I found myself plenty of times uh, sort of just willing Mo to sort of uh, rediscover one of those moments, a top corner finish or, you know, some sort of a magical sort of bit of skill or things like that. But you, you do find it really hard to begrudge either of them. I mean, they've they, put in such an incredible shift. You think about the amount that Sadio has done <laughs> over the past uh, 12 months for, for club, for country, especially sort of the, the weight that he's carried and sort of the, the performances that he's put in, the pressure moments that he's delivered in, how how great he's been recently as well, uh, and yeah, so much of Mo's all-round game is still still absolutely outstanding as well. So you find it hard to begrudge uh, either of them. If I was actually sort of talking about a player I was more disappointed in was I was I was hoping um, it, it felt like the sort of game that you could imagine, and, and we've seen in the past here, Bobby coming off the bench and sort of popping up with one of those moments, and I was hoping that Jota might have it in him as he has done plenty of times for us this season. So I was. If I was going to be disappointed with any of them, it was it was it was, it was probably Jota, probably a little bit unfairly. He was poor when he came on. Yeah. No, he was he was poor when he came on. I, I'm surprised he didn't go for Divock. Same. Yeah. Same. It it, it um, seemed to be the the crowd were even telling him at one point. I think Divock's yeah. been in better form than Jota of late. He as well, has. Yeah. 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 All around game for sure. He the ball's sticking better with Div. He's using it better. Um, John is like a bull in a china shop. He's only got one idea, which is to run directly from mm. whatever he's at straight at the goal. That's all he's got. I'm enjoying got. that, actually. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure if you know it, Trevor, and this is a, it's a minor tangent, but in each of Jota's uh, sort of, uh, recent games, he's done this thing where we talked about his dribbling style where he just runs in a straight line. Um, mm. But he's also got this moment in him uh, quite a few games in a row now where he'll just run, he'll do that, but he'll just run straight into a player. <laughs> there'll be a foul. There'll be a constantly. foul given. <laughs> yeah, constantly. It's it, like it, you, 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 one thing you would have to say about Diogo Jota is he's direct. But I mean, Luis Diaz showed you today the benefit of not being fucking straight line direct, Diogo. You are allowed to turn. And you saw the feet on, on Luis Diaz as he drove at that defense today, Absolutely. cutting inside, cutting outside. He actually loves to be at full pelt, uh, maybe slightly always on the verge of out of control because he, that, that's where his technique comes in when other players would have a bad touch or a bad a bad nudge of the ball. He always just seems to do the right thing. Um, yeah, look, and, 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 and again, it's, 
is um I, you I, go I, on. And, and 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 tell me if I'm wrong here, but I, I I thought I read the other day that actually um aside from Mo and Mane, I think like Diaz has played a ridiculous amount of football apparently over the last 12 to 18 months. Like I I think he's up there with with any player um in 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 Europe at the moment. So the fact that he's still putting in this shift into a new team is pretty remarkable as well. It is, and I read some really interesting stuff about him and his background that I didn't know in recent times, and he just is an inspirational kind of a kid, I have to say. It genuinely is. You look at pictures of him when he was, you know, I mean, he's basically a, 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 an upright, elastic band. I mean, he's the slightest of characters, physically speaking, and the, the, the strength <laughs> that he has is remarkable. You talked about Flacco before, Harry. This is the ultimate Flacco right here, yes. you know. Yeah. Um, so... Well, Lads, can we just, do you mind if we just take a minute? Because I think, you know, we're approaching the end of the season, regardless of how this pans out in the Premier League. One of the most constant refrains we've had, uh, the three of us, when we've done shows together is the refereeing performances. And Michael Oliver is the best with a TM beside it in a little circle. That's what we're told. That's what we've come to believe. That's what the PR machine has spun in our direction. And maybe, maybe we saw with our own eyes in his early performances. I look at Michael Oliver now, and do you know who I think of? I think of James Van Der Beek. Do you know who that is? That's the guy who had the world at his feet because he was the up-and-coming star of the biggest show on TV called Dawson's Creek. And now look at what James Van Der Beek does as an adult actor who had everything in front of him. Mm. The, Michael Albert to me is a guy who had it all and has taught, I mean, he should be some sort of, you know, new version upgrade of Kalina. He's just, he's just not, he doesn't see stuff. He has all the same flaws as most of the referees that we see on a regular basis. And, you know, today was no exception. I thought it was a poor showing by him again. I think I think the disappointing thing, and it's, it's not just Michael Oliver, but yeah, I think you're right. You do you do expect a little bit more from him, or or sort of you've, you'd come to based upon sort of his past showings. Um, but it it really does seem as though very very few referees. Um, uh, I'm sure they get together each and every season and talk about sort of different types of games and how to referee them and how to deal with different situations and. Um, it does feel very much like, oh, you know, sort of woe is me, big club talking about this sort of situation. But, you know, we've seen how many sides come to uh, to Anfield uh, w- with a tactical plan to sit, to counter. That's absolutely fine. Of course you can do that. Um, and there's there's plenty of stuff in the game around sort of, you know, wasting time and, and those tactics. And we've seen them on display uh, very much over the past sort of um, four or five games. But it feels as though... No, none of those refs are comfortable with going. That's what, we've seen them point at the watch, Trev. We've seen them point at the watch when when time wasting is going on. Um, but <laughs> you get to the end of the game and there's barely any time added they on. They forget to add the time. Yeah. Yeah. Things like that. And yeah. actually, I think I think one thing they're going to have to get a little bit sharper with, um, and it's it's pretty tough for them to deal with, I suppose. But we have seen it, not too much in this game, but we, we've seen it quite a few times recently this season. I think is players are now aware. That if they go down and hold their head, the game oh. will be stopped. Oh and, yeah, 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 and it's it's happening more and more and more, and it's sort of a tough one to crack down on. Let's let's be honest, because you want to give, um, you know, the the right level of care to players who do have, who do have genuine head injuries. But I think you're seeing it a lot now, where players go down and they know if I hold my head here, 
he's going to have to stop it. I think it's a brilliant shout. HIA shithousing is a new category uh, of really dodgy, deviant behavior that an awful lot of players are indulging in. And I agree with you completely. Yeah. I think it's a very good shout to make. Uh, we should probably get stuck into the details of this then, I guess. Uh, Dave, let's start you and I with the, the, the first half of the first half. I thought we did really well. There was great early pressure, especially on that left-hand side flank with Diaz and Robbo. Actually, more of Robbo later on because I'd be interested to get your take on on that substitution and, and, and where you think it came from. Probably just a lad, I imagine, who was a bit gassed after ridiculous efforts pointed out by the manager in recent games. On two minutes, we did have the first effort, which was a Sadio shot from distance, pretty much straight at uh, Yuri's. Then six minutes, there was a Son shot that Ali saved, and then a follow-up that Ali saved, but it wouldn't have counted either of them because they were both off. Uh, I thought Trent did brilliant in a 1v1 against Kane on nine minutes. Really good stuff. And again, he's sort of stuck his hand up in that area where all the galaxy brains have been questioning his ability, I think in recent years or recent um, uh, months uh, and really said, you know, honestly, you haven't a clue lads. Uh, he, he, he constantly winning one V ones against these big name attackers mm. where there's a lot of pressure on our, on our defense or their launching counters. I think it's great to see Dave. I have to say, um, I'm going to take you through another few little incidents and you can go back on that or not. If you want 10 minutes in, we had a break. Mo's shot was deflected. It was a corner. 11 minutes then, Hoiberg helped the ball into Kane. And Henderson actually puts in a great covering block tackle uh, at the, uh, at the, at the, with a sort of a sliding um, effort. 19 minutes, there was a good one too with Mo and Henderson. Um, led to a corner, um, which wasn't given by the best TM um, couldn't have gotten a more clear decision and his line though as well I un- honestly remarkable uh, Thiago's pass on the deck when he was lying down having fallen over sets up an attack in 21 which led to another corner from that one Virgil got up from a header uh, but it was well off target if we're being honest and on 23 great bit of play ended up with a Trent shot uh, on that right-hand side of the box, a diagonal shot over the top from uh, just outside uh, with a bit of power in it. And then he follows that up on 25 with a great bit of cover versus Sun this time. So that's a, a, a fairly decent summation. And basically all we've seen there is, okay, they possibly have something in a counter, but we are absolutely taking the game to them. And no matter what we seem to be doing, Whatever we're doing there, we're not registering the shots on target. And that is pretty much the pattern as it continued down. It is. It is. We were pressing well. We were winning the ball back. They were gifting us the ball at certain times. Uh, Their plan became very clear very early. Every time they got the ball, they looked for Kulisewski. He tried to run Robbo down the line. If he couldn't do it, he turned in field, gave it to Kane. Kane lobbed it over the top. And some went running after it. And that's basically all they had to offer. Um, but, you know, it was still dangerous because it's still really good players involved. But I thought in that early stage, I thought Trent defended brilliantly a couple of times. And you've highlighted them there. I thought his 1v1 work against Son and Kane today was exceptionally good. Um, and we'll, we'll be talking about, you know, the part of his game that wasn't great today, which was the, the attacking part. But I thought defensively, I thought he was outstanding today, to be honest. I thought him and Kanate 
locked down that side for the most part, and I will come to their goal, but I don't think that goal is on either of them. Um, yeah, I mean, look, we were establishing ourselves as dominant early in the game, but they were still just looking dangerous on the counter. And I think that's what we all sort of expected, that we'd dominate the ball, that they'd try and hit us on the counter. They wouldn't commit too many forward. They'd bed in. They'd be awkward. They'd throw themselves in front of shots. And, and that pattern set itself out from very, very early on. And you just, you would like to see us be a little bit cleverer. Like there was an awful lot of ball in the right half space in that little number 10 pocket that Henderson was picking up. And you'd just like to see him be a bit more, a bit more aggressive in what he was doing. You know, he's he's far too happy to just lay the ball off. That game tonight was screaming out for Naby, someone who could pick the ball up and drive at those midfielders, drive at those defenders. Because when all you're doing is collecting the ball and shifting it to one side or another, all that defence is doing is shuttling one side and then the other and just waiting for a cross. Whereas if we could have got someone to just run at the teeth of that defence even if it was a thing where Henderson picked the ball up, gave it to Salah and ran in behind and Salah looked to find him. Something to make them move. But we were just allowing them to be very, very comfortable in their defensive shape. And it's not the fault of any one individual. It's, you know, it's more of a a team thing where you just want somebody to take a little bit of a look around and think, this is where they're strong. We're playing to their strengths. They've got three lads and they're more than comfortable if we're slinging in crosses. Let's try something a little bit different here. Let's actually get at them, not settle for a cross. And the the couple of times we did that, we caused absolute pandemonium in their box. So the the patterns were set early in this game for me. You know, when you think about teams who are equipped to change up a set of tactics and when you think about teams who are equipped to actually do that exact thing that you're talking about, which is go directly at uh, a defence. I mean, Sadio Mane, Mo Salah, Luis Mm. Diaz, all of these guys can carry a ball with threats and so can our fullbacks. And yeah, there was, I agree with you completely. I was frustrated in extremis by the constant crossing. And I'm I'm talking here about Trent and Robbo as well. It was like, yeah. What were you thinking was going to happen there, lads? We can't always isolate a lad at the back post who's four foot two who can tap a ball home because that's not going to happen when you've got 79 defenders. And that's, that's exactly it. how they're set up, you know. So when they're playing a back five with, with wing backs that are tucking in as full backs, yeah, you're yeah. not getting that space at the back post. What you're getting is either Robbo crossing to Salah who's got Davies in front and Sessegnon behind, or Trent crossing for Diaz, who's then got Romero in front and Emerson Royale behind, or you sling it in towards Mane, he's got Dyer plus one of the other two centre-backs coming in on top of him. And, you know, the, the few times that we worked the ball in field and Thiago just thought, right, I'm going to run at the teeth of this defence here. And all you're looking for him to do is just commit a man Commit one of those defenders and then someone make a run into that space that defender's left. And, you know, in the penalty box, anything can happen. You can get contact and it could be a penalty. You get a dodgy handball or like a lucky handball. You can get a shot away, whatever it is. Commit those defenders, draw them out. 
this idea of just letting them sit in with the two central midfielders who, again, both big units in Heusberg and, and Bentoncourt, collecting the second balls on the edge of the box, and they weren't looking to do anything other than hoof them away. Because they were like, right, if you're going to cross, we're going to have this central block of five, all big lads. Then we're going to have our wingers come back with our wing backs. So we're going to have four men in those wide areas. And we're going to stop you playing in field if you don't, if, if we want to. Or if you put the ball into the box, we're going to have the numbers in there. And we just, we didn't seem like we had that little bit of creative spark. That you were looking at now, if Trent has a normal Trent game going forward, maybe it's not an issue. I think I think you may well put your finger on it there, and it may well be the same with the man on the other flank. And we'll we'll find out the truth of that or the proof of that pudding as we go on, looking at the details of the match. And Harry, you and I'll finish it out to the end of the first half because soon after Trent's bit of cover on Sun, which is where we left off. We do have an opportunity and there's a deep ball in and a poor Sessignon header is back towards the goal. The keeper has to kind of claw it away and Moe's nearly in on top of that. And it's a bit of kind of comedy capers back there uh, in their defense. And, you know, a, a different type of ball, actually, uh, immediately you can see the danger that it can cause. 31 minutes, however, the ball came to Thiago from a free. His ball into Diaz was, you know, classic Thiago, um, kind of curling uh, right on his noggin. Uh, he heads it down, but Sadio can't quite get to the knockdown. Now, there should have been a yellow for Davies. He was in late on Mo. It wasn't even a foul given from the best TM. Uh, that's in 36 minutes. Trent has a free... Um, Dyer has to get his head, shoulder to clear it soon after that. And on 38 minutes from that Trent corner, this is a real opportunity. Virgil's up. Uh, he's a, he's up higher than everybody else, uh, as you would would expect. And he makes great contact, but it hits the top of the bar and goes over. That is kind of a real opportunity. And one of those ones that wouldn't register, actually, ironically, as a chance on, tar- on target, if we're being honest about these kind of things. Thiago is a ball into Sadio on 39 minutes. <clears throat> this guy, when he, when, when he, wow, can he pick a pass? It leads to a free on the right of the D. That eventually breaks to Thiago again. He cuts in, beats a guy, has a shot. Uh, ball pings around a bit. There's another corner on 41 minutes. That Diaz plays the ball into Sadio. He gets the return, drives it at goal. Fantastic save. 42 minutes, they broke, uh, of course, and Hyper gets a shot that hits the outside of the base of Ali's right post. I think he'd have gotten there, Harry, but it was a bit of a kind of a wake up call of like, you know, these are really, really dangerous on the break. Yeah. Uh, Michael Oliver added a minute, which when I was trying to do the sums on all the stoppages and all the time wasting, and, and, and Tottenham were right into that time wasting from early on, having a bit of a roll around, doing a bit of a cry on the ground, taking their sweet time about everything from kickoffs to free kicks. Uh, it seemed, I thought, a little bit daft. But, you know, in keeping with the referee's performance, talk to me about that second half, the second half, and anything you want to lean into specifically. Yeah, no, I just felt like the I was I was fairly happy with the le- sort of the level of intensity, like I mentioned at the start. I sort of felt like the the tempo of the passing was good. Yes, there were sort of a few too many aimless crosses for my liking, um, but I, I I did think that there were a couple of our players who were trying to commit sort of the, 
sort of Spurs defenders draw them out a little bit. You mentioned Thiago there being one of them who can do that, sort of those feints that he can put in and sort of um, you know, feign to shoot. Uh, but I was I, I was hoping for a deflect uh, a deflected shot, anything like that that could have sort of maybe caused a little bit of chaos. You know, the, the ball sort of um, bobbling around a handball, like Dave mentioned there, those sorts of things that you need. Uh, even the set pieces as well. So we're very aware of sort of our sort of form from set pieces this season. So when Virgil hit the bar, like uh, when Virgil hit the uh, um, the top uh, of the bar like that, like that, you're just you're just thinking on another day. Is that going to clip off the underside and go in? Yeah, it's, it, is it going to be one of those? If it, it felt like they were at every opportunity finding a way to sort of throw their throw their bodies in front of any shots that we did create as well. Uh, and and Hoiberg shooting from distance. I've been told uh, I've been told by Southampton fans for many years not to not to worry too much about that. I, I think Liverpool have already suffered from one of those uh, long range sort of Hoiberg wonder goals. Uh, in our sort of last couple of seasons. So, um, yeah, uh, I think Ali did have it covered. But, yeah, I, I, I was hoping for a, yeah, an impactful team talk at halftime, Trevor, the likes of which we've seen in recent weeks, um, trying to be a little bit more aggressive, a, a little bit more creative in sort of our play. Uh, but, it, yeah, finding it hard to be too critical of the team. And I think that that context of how often we're playing and sort of the shift that we, shift that we put in midweek was already sort of starting to go cross my mind uh, I was thinking about Keita as sort of you know it felt like we did need uh, a midfielder to commit them to to really run at them to drive at them and we don't necessarily have uh, those in that team um, uh, so you, you were looking at Keita as the dribbler that we know he can be uh, you know as being maybe an option there so I, I was wondering whether or not he'd get a chance a little bit earlier on but aside from that I I found it sort of hard to be too critical of of Liverpool in that first half. I felt that the, the approach was correct, and I was just hoping that uh, you know the, 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 these passes, the, the final balls, that were slightly overhit or slightly missing their man, that eventually they'd work that out. That's exactly where I was in terms of my my first half assessment. But David, it appears I might have missed something. You you thought there might have been a penalty shot. Yeah, so just before they broke down and Heusberg had that shot that hit the post, they the had the one. Ball. No, it was oh. trying to win the ball back on the edge of their box. Hmm. And Ben Davies just seemed to haul him down as Trent went to get the ball. Right, okay. Davies had the ball back to Trent. Trent puts his foot in, gets the ball, and Davies just holds him down. We got no replay of it. There was no VAR check that was mentioned. And yet, our players were talking to the referee about it, and nothing got mentioned. No replay, nothing. It was bizarre. It was totally blanked on BT. Because we didn't even see it. Yeah, yeah, we didn't even see that. I mean, I have a few, I have a few myself where I was like, what, what's going on? But that actually sounds like a one I'd love to see again. Next thing, I don't know if it was a penalty because because we didn't get a replay, we didn't get a close up of it or anything. But Trent wins the ball back. Goes to move on to it, and Davies seemed to just pull him back. And then next thing, they were way up the field counterattacking. And you're like, well, hang on a sec now. There's a couple of our lads stopped looking for a penalty, and they're motoring on down the field. You think, oh, well, they're going to show a replay. Surely there'll be a replay here, and we'll get a VAR check when this ball goes dead. And it just didn't go dead. And no- nothing got looked at. It was absolutely bizarre. That is odd. And, you know, the pattern that we talked about second half starts 
our early press is good. We're forcing errors from them. There were a couple of early chances, a decent Henderson knockdown from a Virgil Diag. Uh, Trent has a shot in the follow-up to that. That led to a corner. We get nothing from that. Eventually, another little bit of play carries on, and we end with a dangerous Trent cross from the right, and a not-so-good one from Rob or from the left. That's about the 50-minute mark. On 52, uh, Royale puts in a cross, but uh, Robbo blocks it for a corner. And on 53, they pick up a yellow. I think it's Dyer, uh, sort of a rugby tackle on Mo. It was either Dyer or Davies. I can't remember because, again, I was sort of uh, distracted by other things. Um, Trent versus Sessegnon. Fantastic. Just uh, 54 minutes. He does really good. The ball goes out for a corner, however. And then a minute later, Dave, they are one up. Um, now, Basically, what happens here is the keeper plays the ball forward. Uh, eventually, Kane takes a long ball down. He has time. He's not particularly stiffly challenged. He does what he does as a, as possibly the best target man in the Premier League. It pains me to say it, but you got to give credit where it's due. He's kind of immensely dangerous in these situations. So he takes the ball down, um, gets it under control, He's left unchallenged. He's run running at us uh, in a sort of diagonal way from right to left. He's unchallenged. He plays the ball into Sessegnon on the left, yeah. whose who's cross is unchallenged. And then Son arrives in the middle to tap the ball home. And guess what? Unchallenged. Now, if we're going to divvy blame up around here, there's a whole fucking side of lads. Who need a slap? If we're being honest, mm. it's 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 not good from almost everybody. It's not. Um, I would say he he kind of ghosts in front of Fabinho um, as he moves from right to left across the box, but the ball is on his right side and Fab is on his left, and I'm guessing Fab just didn't think he could get to the ball. Uh, Robbo, who was in the right back spot did what he should have done and went with Son when Son made the inside move, assuming that was going to be the pass that Kane would play. And nobody had tracked Ryan Sessegnon. Nobody had bothered the hole to make a run to track Ryan Sessegnon. Now, he's playing as the left wing back. That falls under the realm of the right-sided midfielder who's prancing about in the middle of the field. And Sessegnon is in, so Robbo then has to turn and go back out to try and commit to him. And as he does, as he takes a step, Sessegnon picks the right option, plays it in, and Son is standing in three yards of space in all directions. I'd like to understand why Fabinho didn't just make a tackle, like even just foul him. Just foul him. You're going to get a yellow card at some point anyway. You're lucky you didn't have one in the first half. Just foul him and take a yellow card. That's the second time this season Fabinho has done that. But it's also the second time, well, it's actually far more than the second time, but it's the second time in a a goal where we've had a situation where Fabinho has let someone just ghost in front of him and someone else hasn't tracked a runner. And uh, I don't know. I It's just poor. It's poor all round. Um, we've seen... We seemed a little bit at times tonight, a little bit ragged in some of our positional play defensively. And there seemed to be quite a few times where 
lads were just in really strange positions. Well, it's probably understandable, Dave. We, like, just again for context, you've already pointed it out. We were switched about because of 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 a previous kind of corner situation. Mm. So the lads were inverted, the fullbacks were inverted. Now it's no excuse, end of story, blah blah blah. I get that, but when you look at where lads are, like. Uh, where you look at where, where, where Trent is when the goal is conceded, where you look at where our centre halves are, where you look at where their left back, our you know right back, left back situation where Robbo is, everybody's just that bit off. Nobody's where they should fucking be. And so, like I said, yeah, I totally get what you're saying in terms of the tracking of the of the of the Cessignon run, but the lads central, you'd like to think they could cope with. What wasn't exactly the most direct ball in our scary, pacey, ridiculously well-delivered pass in the world. And by the way, Youngman's son is their second biggest threat, so we should have eyes on, surely. So there's a, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot there, and it probably is because we're a little bit twisted there's, about the six, the six lads who don't do, who, who don't put the, as my mother would say, they didn't put their best foot forward. In that <laughs> yeah, situation, yeah. but there's only one of them it's, that it's because of a lack of effort. The rest of them is just bad decision making. There's one of them who's the, it's a lack of effort, and that's when when you've got one person not pulling the weight and others kind of out of position or trying to get back into position, things get messy. And look, it is what it is. But when when Youngman's son is stood in the middle of our box with three yards of space around him, and I disagree. I think he's their biggest threat. I think he's their best player. I think he's genuinely world class. Yeah. Um, you, you've got to ask questions everywhere of how is how has he made that run? Robbo's gone with him, and by the time Robbo turns to turn back, no one else thinks. Like you know what I should do? I should try and get in there and block across the sun. Yeah, it's just it's poor. It is poor. It's, it's poor all round. It is really poor all round. And Harry, I mean, we try to we try to grab a bit of hold of the match Ibu has a header over from a Robbo free kick on 58 in that same moment however Royale puts a ball across to Sessignon at the back post that same back post again his volleyed cross is volleyed wide of the near post by Sun so we nearly had a carbon copy bullshit situation going on and I'm here thinking oh my god like if if I had hair to pull out it would be gone uh Trent puts a bit of deep cross in um forces a corner at 60 minute we get nothing from that Tiago puts a great ball into Henderson his cross goes out for a corner there's a Diaz shot blocked we decide we're going to shake it up now, I'm going to pause here because I want to talk about this because this is huge, right? This is how we try to influence the game. And Jurgen's decision is to take Simicus and Jota off, uh, on and bring Robbo and Henderson off. Um, now, immediately you're looking at those two and obviously they're not like for like uh, as a pair. So we're going to have to sh- change our shape around a little bit. I do like when Jurgen goes for it in this way and we say, you know, you're not carrying any threat to us on any kind of a regular basis. So we can afford to deal with your counter-attacking style and keep our extra attackers. But we have to, we have to wonder, I mean, if this is going to be the, the, the correct call, of course, if we get the goal, it is. And you have to say, I'm just going to take you right up to that goal, Harry. You have to say that, you know, 68 minutes, Simicast, he's only on the pitch about five. He picks up a yellow. 
69 minutes. Uh, Sessignon's holding Mo back. He gets a yellow. Mo has a shot blocked. Trent has a shot blocked. 72 minute mark. Mm. But we do go level on 73. It's Diaz. He cuts inside. He kind of goes past two men, drives a shot. Uh, it's headed to, I think, the right middle, but it ends up deflected to the left side. Uh, to be fair to Yaris, he's got no chance. Uh, but it's incisive. It's deliberate. It's intentional, uh, in terms of the drive of the, the lad in question. So it was massively enjoyable from our point of view. I want you to just talk about that first half there of that first half and tell me what you think, uh, around the goal and tell me what you think around the substitutions. Yeah, and no, I think ragged is, is 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 the right word to sort of describe the defending that we were seeing for the concession of the first goal, and then that chance that you mentioned where when Sessegnon cuts it back uh, to Sun, and he just can't quite get his feet uh, in the right position to try and guide it to towards goal. But you're, you're the, those or that ten minute period, we, we we did look a little bit ragged. We, we we looked a little bit leggy, and you're wondering whether or not sort of Spurs seem to have. Some, sort of energy from nowhere. But then again, you, you do think that they've been planning for this all week, that they haven't played midweek. They have, you, you suddenly realise that perhaps they have been conserving a little bit of energy for, for these counters. And, and then you worry a little bit about whether or not they're going to be yeah, as as efficient as they were from time to time in their counters. So that was a worry. Um, having said that, yeah, the, the substitutions were a little bit interesting. I mean, Jota makes perfect sense. You're almost wondering if it's uh, quite as simplistic as well. Simicat is, is a different type of crosser. Jota, you know, we know he's effective in the air. I mean, if we see him intent on slinging in these crosses, and I think we broke some records tonight in terms of, sort of how many crosses we put in, in comparison with previous uh, matches for a number of seasons, actually, in terms of the attempted crosses. Yeah, yeah. Part of me was thinking, well, okay, me, Jota, you know, we've seen him struggle for form, but you know, one thing he is able to provide is a, a, a predatory moment where he'll pop up with a goal as you need him to, you know, useful in the air. And yeah, Simicast is a player I think that this season we have said on occasion, perhaps hasn't always sort of enjoyed um, more opportunities than maybe he deserves, you know, because I think he's, there's been a couple of showings that he's put in the season where you think, well, on, on merit, perhaps he's, He's worth a chance here, but sort of the way in which Robbo has raised his level after a certain period of the season, I suppose that makes sense. So I was I was wondering if if Robbo had a knock, if there was some sort of injury, or if it was just a case of giving him a little bit of a rest because he was another one of these players who has completely run himself into the ground for us in terms of the shift that he puts in, game in game out. So yeah, I I, I wasn't against that change. I I was slightly a little bit concerned about sort of how effective they could be on the counter. Uh, and us uh, just leaving the two the two two men in there, but with how proactive, how aggressive Canate can be at times, and Virgil as well, uh, and you know, the, the fact that Thiago and and Fab are sort of the the two most responsible of the midfielders that we have, yeah, you were thinking, well, yeah, we should be able to manage this. Um, and on the whole, I was pretty happy with how they did, to be honest, in that period. So in the end, yeah, the the goal hugely satisfying because it. Uh, I think I tweeted literally about 30 seconds before the goal that it, it felt like they were going to block everything and surely, surely they couldn't block everything for the remainder of the game. So the fact that it came from a, you know, a huge deflection like that 
but somebody taking the initiative, being more aggressive, being more direct, uh, and it, it had to be Diaz, I suppose, in terms of sort of how how much of a chaos agent, to use that phrase again, that he's 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 been for us um, over the past uh, uh, few weeks. It feel, feels incredible to sort of talk about him as though he's such a settled member of the squad. But he's, yeah, I, I remember listening to yourself and Dave discuss the signing when it was made and sort of contemplating how many appearances we'd see from him and the fact that he's he's been so integral for us still feels slightly surreal. But yeah, it was a. Uh, Hugely satisfying. How many of those goals have we seen from our sort of you know, title rivals over the years? Deflected shots like that. Um, the the roar um, for that goal as well. His reaction as well. You're full of passion, full of intensity, uh, and you just you just hope that would spur us on. These are one. These are things now I'm leaning into, which are massive intangibles. But you will both remember where in 0809, where you know Torres and Gerard were leading the charge towards a potential league challenge. There was an atmosphere in Anfield, which you can only describe as sort of positively negative because the tension was so fucking high uh, that it left a a kind of borderline. Just, it was too much. It was too intense and the negativity came out too quickly. And I felt that it was quite oppressive. 13, 14, it was back again because again, the, the weight of this not having done this thing was so huge. But I have to say, I thought what listening to the crowd and the way that we were acting at full time and all the rest of it, I was, I was kind of proud of the crowd. It's like they've, they've, we've sort of all grown together as a club, as a fan base, as a crowd in the ground and understood that, you know, it's like it's not done and realistically speaking, we need City to lose and well done the lads for getting back into the game. And I did like that at full time, but I'd, I'd love to say there's loads to talk about between now, this point where we score and the end of the game. But honestly, if, if you just both bear with me, they bring on Sanchez for Sessignon. Fab gets a yellow. Uh, Kulisevsky is, is, is substituted for Winks on 84. They just keep wasting time. There's a substitution where we bring on Naby at 87 minutes. And again, it's a big ask for Naby to impact the game at that stage. It's a weird one. I wouldn't mind getting both of your takes on it because if I was looking for a game changer at that stage, I would have thought it would be Divock. But, you know, what the, what the hell do I know? Uh, there was a really good cut in and pass by by Thiago because, of course, to Trent, but Trent couldn't quite get there. Thiago looked u- utterly mystified by this. Uh, there was again another another chance then a Mo shot, a really great opportunity for a Mo Salah classic. Uh, he found himself in that central, like coming from right to central position, an opportunity to curl the ball to the top corner, but it got deflected like so many fucking Mo efforts have this year. Uh, went for a corner, we get nothing from it. Five minutes added, they bring on Bergwijn. Virgil sees him off like a child within a couple of minutes and Ali gathers it. 83 minutes, Naby picks up a yellow. There is a chance for Winks, who plays the ball into Heiberg. There's a knockdown and comes to nothing. And then right at the death, right at the end of injury time, Diaz was in at the back post. He gets a touch. He gets around the man. He takes an effort. It leads to a corner. We get a chance to take the corner but it breaks and it leads to nothing. So there was 
an opportunity at the death. And I'm just going to put this to you, Dave, and then I'll uh, I'll give Harry a chance to talk about it. When we come out of that, then I'll finish up, Dave, with you, and I'll finish up then the show with Harry. Can I just ask your take on this Divock Origi substitution? I don't want to pretend to be any sort of a galaxy brain prick who knows more than Jurgen. I don't. And I don't want to lean into the fact that the crowd were cheering for him. That's bollocks. It's just he was on the program cover, and I was thinking... Right, he's a he's a big he's a big moment lad, and I'm thinking when we're doing this shit that we're doing right at the death, and we have a corner right at the death, and we've got a lad who's a unit like Dave right at the death. It just struck me as weird that we brought on Nabi at that stage because what can Nabi really do in 87 minutes? Do you know what I'm saying with this? It's not like I don't rate what he offers the team. I just didn't know if that was really the call, but you know, like I said, what do I know? What was your take on that? I, I think the reason it was Naby was because he wanted to bring Fab off. I think it was more a case of getting Fab off the pitch and avoiding any potential red card situation than the want to actually bring Naby on with the thought that he might change the game. Ah, but I, okay. but again, I did, could we could we have gambled a bit more? I think we could. We could have brought could, Fab could off for Div for Divock and just said yeah. to Trent, right, you go and sit in midfield. You sit in midfield, that's what you're doing from now on. Because he was basically playing in midfield by then anyway. And yet taken Fab off and brought Divock on. And it's not even, you know, obviously Divock is a big a big moment guy. But more to the point, he's a big guy. He's, he's yeah, a unit. He's 6'3". And we're humping crosses into the box to a bunch of lads who are 5'9". And... Like it, this is it's a situation like today where we desperately miss Bobby. Yeah. Like that was the type of game that we that when when Jota came on, as I said earlier, like I thought Divock made more sense at that point, but Bobby would have been the perfect one to come on there mm. because when you have Mane, Salah, Jota, Diaz, there's an awful lot of crossover between what they do, and there's. Salah's obviously a great chance creator. Diaz is a creator, but there's no central creator in a Mane Jota pairing. And they're both sort of looking to get into the same spots. And when when Jota realized like Sadio's in the central role, Jota didn't seem to know where he was meant to be in a lot of times. So when we had the ball on the right and we were looking to cross it in, Jota and Diaz were basically standing on each other's toes at the back post. Yeah. Or he was getting in Sadio's way in the middle, whereas with Bobby, Bobby will play more as a 10. He'll drop short, he'll create a, create an option, create a passing angle, whatever it is. Bobby, to link things up, I think, today would have made would have made a massive difference. And I think that's kind of what we missed. But yeah, like when, when it got down to it with three minutes left, I, I would have thought Divock is the call here. But at the same time, Maybe Klopp is looking at the bigger picture and thinking, you know what? We came into this game needing City to drop points. We're not leading the title race here. Now, we are top as things stand, but we came into this game needing City to drop points at some place. That's still the situation. The only thing that's changed is we needed them to draw or lose. Now we need them to lose. That's the only thing that's changed here. Yeah. And City don't draw a ton of games anyway. 
they have been beaten three times this season. They've been beaten nine times in all competitions, if you count the Community Shield. City have lost games this season. They've lost more games than they've drawn. So maybe Klopp just thought, you know what, a point is a point. I'd, I'd rather take a point than put Divock on, have five up front, and risk getting done on a counter-attack. Because at the end of the day, a point is better than nothing. Well, it's not a bad point because we nearly did get mugged. And Harry, I want to give you your take on the substitutions as well because it's going to be the talking point, let's be honest. Uh, and it doesn't just have to be about Divock Origi. It just has to be about whatever you think the effectiveness of them was. And again, it's not... Listen, you know, and again, I hope everybody gets this. When we talk about these things, we are talking about our opinions. We are not putting ourselves above Jurgen Klopp or telling, telling anyone what he should have done. That's mm-hmm. other podcasts that do that. They're obviously idiots, but we are allowed to take, to say what we think and what we felt at the time and what we still feel perhaps might have been more effective. And as you examine the vital second half substitutions, including Simicas, including, um, um, Nabi Keita at that late point and including Diogo Shata, you know, did they jar with you at the time or? Can you see exactly what it was he was trying to do, maybe in a way that perhaps himself and Dave aren't quite getting around our heads around? Or no, they all make sort of logical sense um, in terms of sort of what the players could could have brought to the game. Uh, I, I mean, I think I, I think I already mentioned sort of if it was if it was up to me, maybe I'd have brought Kato on a little bit earlier just because I thought maybe that was what we were missing from from midfield and we could sort of get away with uh, maybe not having one of. Fab or Tiago on the pitch, maybe even sort of Nabi and uh, and Tiago for for twenty minutes just to see if they were could be a little bit more incisive. Uh, I agree on Divock, uh, but also yeah, I'd, I'd mentioned Bobby earlier on. It felt like a game for Bobby, and it, it felt like one of these games where he just pop up um, and sort of the way in which he he plays that role would have been useful for us in those um in those moments, a, a, a different kind of threat, dragging people out of position, you know, trying to make them lose their discipline, uh, you know, offering them a completely different type of sort of challenge for, for however long. So yeah, it, it is, it is a game where you sort of maybe slightly miss that, but I can understand sort of the faith that Klopp would have in, in, in Jota to deliver one of those big moments. Uh, and yeah, f- from the quotes of here, that have emerged after the game. He's, he's talking about how he's, you know, he's, dis- he's disappointed, but not as, not as disappointed as the players. Mm, that, they're, saw that, one. that they're quite down, um, but it's, yeah, it's it's one more point than they had before the game. So I, I, I wonder whether or not he is looking at it from that perspective and thinking, look, we didn't lose uh, another point. Uh, and yeah, Dave and yourself are right. We, we, we needed City to drop points. That's still the case. Uh, and, you just got to hope that, yeah, whatever psychological trauma they sustained uh, at the hands of Real Madrid uh, is enough to, yeah, throw a spanner in the works a little bit in these in these fixtures to come. I think there are some complicated games in there, not not as tough as the running that we've had certainly, but I think there are some complicated games in there. Uh, now West Ham are are out of a you know a, a chance to win a European final. Um, I'm hoping Declan Rice can can take some of that, ang- that anger that he directed at the referee in the tunnel. Uh, and uh, yeah, channel it into a performance against City uh, because um, yeah, we 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 will we always knew we were going to need a, a favour from one of these sides uh, and and for City to drop points. And that's still the case, and I, I thought you could see that defiance as you mentioned, Trev, from the crowd uh, and from uh, from Jurgen at the end as well. 
I'd like to officially welcome Declan Rice into the uh, Conspiracy Club. Uh, you, can pick, you can pick up your badge, Deco, uh, <laughs> at uh, <laughs> at the uh, at the reception. Um, I'm afraid I won't be meeting you because you had an off- opportunity to play for my country and you didn't. You prick. Uh, so here's where we're going to do. We're going to go to uh, Dave for his final thoughts and then Harry and then we'll be out the gap. And Dave, don't let me put words in your mouth. You never have. You never will. But I'm just going to frame something up for you. I still have this sort of faith that there's a possibility of all four. I won't let it go till it's mathematically impossible because anyone who does that is a bit of what Karl Kopech calls a runner. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. It's still possible. Surely you should have a little bit of faith in it. We can all do the sums. Everyone understands that it's just become more difficult. But like... Why would you ever give up on this team ever? Like, have have you not been here? Were you not there when X happened and Y happened and Z happened? So I have limited but still very real hope for the remainder of the season. And I don't want to be too down personally on what I just saw uh, in terms of that game and that result. It may well be the case. And let's, if we're all being honest, Dave, the most realistic thing that was going to happen was that probably Liverpool would win their remaining games and City would win their remaining games. If we were just, if you were to roll the dice on it or if you were to get, get your calculator out and get some mathematical, uh, 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 guru in, that was the most likely thing, which would, would have meant that Man City won the league. Uh, you, you said that we, we, we needed them to drop points. We do. And I think, I've always had the feeling that we needed them to lose, not draw. We needed them to fucking lose a game. So that still remains the case. And then let's just see where it takes us. But today's game, I want you to give an overall take on it. Maybe skew your analysis a little bit towards what's left. And do give us at the end of it a bit, if you could, about what's to come from you. Because Christ alive, there's a lot left in this season for us. There is a lot left in the season. And look, if I said to you now, you can lose the title but have the Champions League and the FA Cup, we'd all take it. Every one of us would take it. Every single one of us would take winning a cup treadle. Because that would be an incredible achievement. And that's what the focus should be on. The league is a bonus. At this point, the league has been a bonus for a while because City have been ahead of us. Ahead of us. And we are waiting or hoping that they'll drop points somewhere. We are hoping that Newcastle or Wolves or West Ham or Aston Villa can do us a favour. The title hasn't been in our hands since the, the draw with City in the league. If we'd beaten them in the league, then it would be different. And if we'd beaten them in the league, I'd be a lot more disappointed about tonight because we would have been ahead of them dropping points and now giving them the advantage where they can go on and win tomorrow and go ahead of us. But the situation remains the same as it did yesterday, the same as it did last week. We need them to drop points. That is still possible. They are not a perfect team. This is not... This is a very good City team. I don't believe it's a great City team. It's not as good as the team in 1718 and 1819. It's not that good. It's not as good as our team, if we're being perfectly honest. And it's not as good as our team. We've lost three games all season. They've lost nine. We've played three more and lost six less. Like, we've conceded the same number of goals as them, despite playing now five games more than them. 
we're a better team than they are. They've just had some good luck when we haven't. And we're also, you know, we're competing on four fronts. We knocked them out of the FA Cup. We're in the Champions League final. They're not. We won the League Cup. They went out early in the League Cup. We're a better team than City. And if we finish second and win the three cups, that will prove that. If we fuck, if we finish second and win the FA Cup and League Cup, we're still a better team than them. I'm sorry, we just are. This is not one of those seasons where the best team wins the league. This is one of those seasons where too many draws just hurt us. We were the better team in 1819 as well, by the way. Like we were better than them that year. We were better than them in 20 in 1920, and we're better than them this season. Now, last season goes out the window because of the injuries, but we have been a better team than City for a while. What would hurt is, you know, being four years into this incredible run of being, I believe, the best team on the planet and only having one league title. But if we've got two Champions Leagues and an FA Cup and a League Cup, they can have the title. Celebrate. I I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Big Ears is the one. Big Ears is the one. That's it. Look, yeah. there's, there's certain clubs where the European Cup is what matters. It's what truly matters and defines who that club are. The, the, the European royalty. It's Real Madrid. Real Madrid have won seven Champions Leagues in the last 23 years. They've only won eight league titles in that time. Their focus is the Champions League. When they won their their four titles in, in five years in the the Champions League. They won one league title in that run. So, like, that's where their focus is. Bayern Munich sack managers who don't win the Champions League. Pep Guardiola is seen as a failure at Bayern because he didn't win the Champions League. AC Milan, now they're trying to get themselves back to the mountaintop. They've obviously had quite the collapse with, you know, the decline of Italian football. But you ask an AC Milan fan, what would you rather win, Serie A or the Champions League? They take the Champions League. Ask any Milan great, what what medal matters more to you? One of your Serie one of your Serie A Scudetto titles or your, your European Cups? And every one of them will take the European Cups. Paolo Maldini won five of them, and he says they're his proudest possession. Like we're one of those clubs as well. We also just happen to be the team that has been the best team in England over the course of the last fifty years. And if it comes to it, I'd much rather have the European Cup. And here's the thing, right? And I said this in 2019, and it was true then, and it's true now. City won a domestic treble in 1819. We won a European Cup, and nobody gave a shit what they'd done. Nobody cared. They didn't care. Because when it comes down to it, Manchester City, the City Football Group, Abu Dhabi's oil riches... That whole project, the whole thing from top to bottom is aimed at one thing, winning the European Cup. And every single season they don't win the European Cup is a failure for them. Every single season. And if you didn't know that, and if you couldn't get your head around that, Pep Guardiola had to field questions this week Mm. about whether or not it was a failure. Because everybody knows that that's why he's here. And yeah. everybody knows that that's why they're spending all the money in the world. And everybody knows that the reality is that the question needs to be answered in the affirmative. Yes, that's- 100%. 100%. And just just to emphasize before I finish what I said about Mane and Salah earlier on, 
about how, yeah, they were both poor today and they've had some poor games recently and Mo's form has dipped without question. Mo has already played over 5,000 minutes this year for club and country. Sadio's played almost 4,700 minutes for club and country. Like, those two boys are shattered. They're shattered. They've been run into the ground and it's season after season for them. There's no easy miles for them. Like, it's when they go and play with their national teams, they're not getting the same kind of comforts that, let's say, the England lads get or the Germans or the Spanish or the, the French. They, they, the Senegalese national uh, team, they don't have that type of money. Neither do, do the Egyptians. They're not working in the same circumstance. They're not pampered in the same way after they have those long flights back to do that. So just factor in, before you start criticising the two boys, what they've done for us, what they continue to do for us, and just how fucking difficult it is for them to do it. Uh, As for Spurs, last thing on them, I will say this. Good performance tonight. Great tactical game plan. Carried it out quite well. But at the end of the day, they're parking the bus in the last five minutes when they needed the win just as much as we did. Because now they're a point behind Arsenal. Arsenal have a game in hand on them. If Arsenal win that game in hand, which is tomorrow against... Who are Arsenal playing tomorrow? Leeds, who are garbage, at home. So Arsenal should win that. Arsenal will be four points clear. Meaning not only do Tottenham then have to beat them on Thursday night, they then have to hope Arsenal go and either drop points at Newcastle or at home to Everton. So while it's a good result for Spurs, it doesn't really help them in the grand scheme of trying to get top four. So there's that thing to consider as well. And Ollie Holt, who who just seems like a terrible fella. Spurs were brilliant to watch today. Like, there's a lot of things you can say about Spurs. I don't think you can claim they were brilliant to watch today. Defending with nine men isn't really brilliant to watch, but Ollie's probably the type of thing who, you know, watches loose women and reaches for the, the lube and the tissues. Like, <laughs> you know, like he probably goes to Burnley and, and thinks that's real sexy football, you know, watching. I know he's, the, 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 Mr. Dyche is not there anymore, but I'd say when Ollie was feeling real rambunctious with himself and wanted a bit of sexy football, straight down to Turf Moor to watch what Dyche's lads were doing. What fucking planet do you live on? He was listening to the Nolan Sisters compilation as he as he, as he, as he, as he What a but, weird that's a weird take there. Ah, he's just he's a he's a strange fan. This is a man that went on television and wore an Alice band when he was in his mid forties, so what can you expect? Um as for me, two footed pod Monday and Tuesday, Daily Red Monday, Tuesday, then I'm away from Wednesday morning until next Wednesday, so I will miss uh, the Villa game on Tuesday night, I will miss the Cup final, and I think I miss Southampton as well. Um, and there'll be nothing from me for just over a week. So for the first time in five years, I'm, say, taking fucking a, years. I'm taking a wee break for a week um, for, from podcasting. And uh, hopefully, hopefully it proves to... It proves to be good luck. I, I hope to. Uh, I, I won't won't be doing the podcast, but I will. I will absolutely watch the cup final and hopefully, um, hopefully a bit of French luck or something. I don't know what I'll buy. I'll buy some frogs' legs and rub them or something. I don't know, I don't know what you do in France to 
to get a bit of luck. But if anyone can tell me, let me know. But uh, yeah, no, I have I have a quiet week coming up, which is I'm actually really looking forward to it because uh, I'm a bit talked out because Liverpool have played what now 58 games this season. Yeah, and we've probably done the post match on well, close to 50 of them. Probably about 45 myself. You're probably about 48, 49 because I missed a couple of league ones. You missed a couple of cup ones. It's a lot of games. And like I know people just think it's, you know, it's just sitting down and talking. But, you know, when you're watching the game, you're trying to make notes, you're trying to remember things, you're trying to keep your emotions under control so that you can actually focus on what you're watching. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully everybody appreciates it. But uh, yeah, I'll be back after Southampton. Don't you worry, Dave. I'm still relatively fresh uh, for the running. Well, that's it. You took the middle of the season off. Seti with the fresh legs. Here we fucking go, lads. And by the way, Dave, whatever with the frog legs, they only have so much impact. What you need to do, what you need to do just for your own crack is lick a toad. Uh, that has a whole different effect. Uh, and Harry, let me finish the show with you, my friend, by asking you the same to give your take on what transpired today in the context of what is to come and your overall feeling around that. If you've any specifics you want to bore down into in relation to uh, the events of the match that we didn't cover, feel free and do finish up if you would uh, by letting folks know what's going to be going on with you. Because, again, I know you're going to be pre- uh, front and centre for the next week or so. Yeah, find it hard to be too critical, uh, to be honest. I think that, I, I think we've all tried to sort of contextualise it, the way in which the team has performed, the... The, the shift that we've seen from individual players as well, um, especially some of the more sort of talismanic figures in the side as well. Uh, we've we've entered what seventh of May with with still everything to play for, and, and and I think the the way in which the the side responded to adversity in midweek, and when you compare that to how City um, responded to adversity um, in midweek is of sort of very different challenge, but still in in those really high high pressure moments. Um, I think the way in which we we responded um, sort of shows you sort of where this side is, how intelligent the side is, how how calm and composed the side is as well. So I think they'll be they'll be disappointed, but I I, I do believe they'll be defiant, and I imagine the coaches will be able to instill that into them. Uh, in terms of Spurs, yeah, I mean, you, I thought they played well. They had a game plan. Was surprised that they didn't go for go for it a little bit more. As Dave was mentioning there, I think there is. You know, they, they did sort of need the win, to be honest, to sort of really sort of get their their top four sort of um, hopes, um, keep them alive. And I see some uh, sort of quotes after the game as well. I think they were asking Klopp, his Spurs journalist asked Klopp if he was impressed with the way that uh, Tottenham defended. Uh, and uh, to be honest, I, I, I think these quotes are pretty measured, to be honest. But he said that he, he's, he's he, I'm sorry, I'm the wrong person for that. I don't like this kind of football. It's, it's my personal problem here. I think they're world-class players. And I think they should do more for the game. Uh, I think the game against Liverpool, they have 36% possession. But it's my problem. I can't coach that. That's why I don't do it. So, yes, world-class players block all the balls. Really difficult. <laughs> so, I think that, yeah, it's, it's you, 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 
teams are perfectly entitled to play however they want to against us. I, I've got nothing against that. Um, and coaches don't have to be enamored by those approaches either, right? So, yeah, Spurs came and they had a game plan. They they were taking the draw with five to go, and that's what they got in the end. But I, I find it very hard to be too critical of this side. I think Carl Matcher had mentioned it earlier in the evening. It's a side that's dropped only two points in the league since January 2nd. So you really can't. Uh, it's, it's, it, I find it too critical to be too tough tonight and as I think Dave mentioned right at the start yeah if we do end up coming a little bit short in the league it it won't be down to games like this it'll be uh it'll be earlier in the season but other than that there should be a rival recon ahead of the uh the Villa game on Tuesday and then I think yeah we're, we're still to work out the the next couple of roars um but uh yeah I should be on them over the next uh, next few weeks trying to dovetail in for for Dave who's having a good a well a well-earned rest I'd say you, the, let's 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 be honest. Everybody has noticed you warming up there, Harry. You, 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 you've Me put, and Divock. Yeah, you've put your hand up, lad. You've put your hand up. So I I look forward to working with uh, both of the lads. Uh, I hope Dave enjoys the absolute hell out of the week away from football. I hope when we return from it that we'll be talking about. Uh, wins under the belt and looking forward to wins to come uh, and the potential I'm going to keep saying it till it's not real that we can become the four trophy Reds I've been Trev Downey, that was Harry Sethi that was Dave Hendrick, this is Raw and we'll be back very very soon We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index. And find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.